Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Today is our annual um, miracle offering. This year it's called our refresh offering. Um, Charlie and I have been praying about this for a while, and we've got our already filled out our card. But what I thought I would like to do to start with is at the end we're going to take that offering. But during the service, I just want you to just open your heart to the Holy Spirit and just ask him if there's anything he wants you in particular to give to that. Maybe you already have done that. Um, But what we're going to do, I'm going to get get the host team just to hand those out now, those cards for you. Um, And at the end, you don't need to fill it out straight away, but just have it there. And at the end, we'll make some time. Um, But that way it's in your hand and you can hold it in your hand um, as a faith statement, I guess, um, as we're sharing the message today. So I'll get the host to hand those out. Basically, you can also give cash at the end of today's service. Um, And we'll have buckets that we're going to hand around. Uh, Someone will, COVID safe, hand them around for you. Um, And if you're online or at home, you can give online as well. Uh, We'll cut out through the week. Um, But today's a very supernatural moment. It's a supernatural moment for our church. Um, The devil doesn't like the church advancing. He hates the church going forward. And I'm going to be speaking today, and by my heart today is the Holy Spirit really stirs your heart when it comes to being generational people or having a generational mindset. Um, it's, I'm actually really looking forward to sharing today's message. I really feel like it's a moment for our church. So we'll just take a moment, let the host do what they're going to do. Um, update, I'm loving being a dad. Um, I won't be here for Father's Day next Sunday. Charlie and I um, have a little bit of annual leave it's going to take. So I'm going to miss out on the free gift as a church, but uh, that's okay. Um, but we're just so excited being parents. Um, little Bear is a little bundle of joy, and uh, he's somewhere around. He's somewhere, somewhere on the property. Charlie's trying to get him to sleep. He's in his prayer and getting walked around somewhere, so... That's good. Uh, he's about to teeth. Teething has started. So the tears are a bit more than normal, but that's okay. Uh, anyway. And a big congrats to Ben and Jade on their little one. Huge congratulations. You're going to make great parents. Um, and also a big congrats to Paul and Michelle, grandparents, which is going to be fantastic too. So, Yeah. <laughs> You seem too young for it to be to be Nana and Papa, but that's okay. It's good. Awesome. Are you ready? You ready? All right. Why don't we close our eyes? Let's just ask the Holy Spirit just to help us this morning. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for who you are. And as Jesus told us to pray, we just say, hallowed be your name. Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Today, Father, I pray that you would help us. I pray today, Holy Spirit, that we would realize the moment we're in. I pray today we won't just look at the flesh, we won't just be looking at the room around us, but we would have eyes to see spiritually what is happening, spiritually the season we are currently in. Lord, give us discernment, give us open eyes, just as the servant couldn't see the chariots of fire in the Bible. Then you opened his eyes and he saw the chariots of fire. Let us see the armies of God today. Lord, help us. Lord, I pray there will be a refreshing touch upon this place and upon our city today. Raise up revivalists. Raise up people who have a heart to chase after your heart. Lord, we just want to declare that we love you, Jesus, and we honour you as the number one here. You are worthy of all the praise and all the honour. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Today, um, today's message is called The Importance of Having a Generational Mindset. The Importance of Having a Generational Mindset. In 1994, I was in year four. How old was I in year four? Ten? Around ten, is that the right? Yep. I was a little whippersnapper. I was a very shy kid. Um, I was just living my life, learning Japanese at school in year four. Hajime Mashite Bokawa Benyudes. 
which means something. I can't remember <laughs> what it means, but my name was in there somewhere. And yeah, that's, that's great. Um, and I just remember, though, at that time, um, we had our kids' church, and there was a lady called um, Mrs. Rooney. And Mrs. Rooney was the kids' church teacher. And if you've been in our church for a while, some of you might know who she is. She, she's not in our church uh, anymore, but she, she, for many years, ran our kids' events or kids' services, and we were called the main event back there. I think there was a TV show called The Main Event or something, and I think it was taken from there. I should be called our kids' family feud or something these days, like a, 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 like a Wheel of Fortune or something. But the, the main event, and we're over in the rooms across there, and, and it was the boys on one side, and there was a, lot, a tape down the middle and the girls on the other side. And uh, we'd have someone come in and lead worship for us, and, and then uh, we'd have turns helping lead the worship, and, and I'd play the bongos. Um, and, and Matt would, what would you do? He would sing sometimes, and back when he was a little whippersnapper as well. And we just enjoyed, you know, being kids and enjoyed that inheritance. And this lady, though, Mrs. Rooney, was really generous in heart. And she didn't have much. Her and her husband, they weren't, I wouldn't say they were wealthy. I wouldn't say they, they weren't wealthy. They, 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 I know they weren't wealthy. But she had this real generous spirit. And she would help my parents with babysitting us kids sometimes. And she would um, make time to, to really um, be patient with us in the kids' ministry, which you know when you're in year four, you need that. And there's girls in the room and they're all annoying and cooties. And you need patience from the leaders in the room. And, and, and I just remember that she would really take time to listen to us kids and and in 1994, a real touch of God hit our church, a real outpouring of the Holy Spirit it was around the world. Uh, God was really just bringing a real um, refreshing uh, move of God, and, and that really hit our church and actually touched my heart in a big way. And she would take time to take me and some of the, the kids up to conferences in Sydney as little primary school kids, and we would camp out, and, and we would camp out because we were one of the best seats in the room, and... And these were adult, um, you know, they weren't kids' conferences. These were adult conferences. And we would want the front row, so we would camp, literally get a tent, and we would camp out on site. And then when the doors were open, we were these young little whippersnappers who were waiting to run inside and get the front row. That's when you know God's moving. Yeah. <laughs> no one was making us go to church. We were trying to get into church as much as we could because... The Holy Spirit was really doing something significant. And I loved it. I just loved the Lord. I loved the Holy Spirit. I loved to worship. I loved to see God move in power. And, and I was a little kid. I didn't know any different. But I remember that Mrs. Rooney made the time and the budget to take time to drive us up to places like Mount Annan in Sydney, different churches, just so we could take time to experience the love of God as young kids. You see, she had a generational mindset. She'd done this in her spare time. Um, and I was always just so uh, blessed by that, that somebody who, um, I, didn't, I couldn't give her anything. Yeah, I couldn't. And it wasn't just because I was maybe a pastor's kid. She'd done this for all the kids, where she was just so giving and so loving and so covering. And what it did was it set a foundation in me which I hope my own son and my own children will have, of loving God, loving to worship God, loving to wait in God's presence, loving the Word of God. Mrs. Rooney in 1994 had a generational mindset. If you've got your Bibles, uh, why don't you turn to, uh, let me see, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 50. We have to understand something this morning. The God we serve is a God of a generational mindset. He's not a God that's just in the moment. He's a God that goes before us. He's a God that knows what's ahead of us. And he has a heart of love for us. And he's not just thinking about the, the moment. I think as, as human beings, we can be so often caught up in the moment. We have a bad day. We have a bad week. We have a good day or a good week. We have 
challenges, we have breakthroughs, we're in the moment, and it's good to be content in the moment, but at the same time, we have to make sure we have a generational mindset. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 50, it says this. It says, His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And it's speaking of Jesus, and it's Mary actually speaking here. And it's speaking about his mercy goes from generation to generation. I think we have a responsibility as a people to be generational thinkers. Before you know it, your time will be done here on earth. And as morbid as that sounds, it's the truth. But we have to be people who are thinking about what is ahead of us. And not just that, but what is ahead for those who come after us. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. Proverbs 13, 22. Sorry, Dave, I'm just going to skip around the slides a little bit. But it says this, it says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. One translation says, A righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That is a big statement because I think about inheritance when I think about my son, but this scripture is talking about my son's son. So basically, statistically, you're talking about thinking about 50 years down the track. A righteous person is thinking 50 years down the track. How amazing is that? Not just your kids, but your kids, kids, and even the kids after them, we have this challenge and this responsibility, if we are a righteous people, to be people who think about 50 years down the track. How am I going thinking about 50 years down the track? In 50 years, I'll be 86. I might be here. I might not be here. A lot of you guys aren't going to be here. Let's be real. Some of you guys will be here. But a generational mindset thinks 50 years and is laying up an inheritance. And Holy Spirit, let us, let us catch this as a church because this is what we're called to be as a church. We're called to be a generational church. So we go, Holy Spirit, we lay a hold of what you're going to be doing 50 years from now. Are we setting up the generations for 50 years from now? You see, you have to understand something, and I have to understand something. The battle that we place and fight today and the battle that we win today becomes the new normal for the generation tomorrow. <laughs> this is so good. If you're writing notes, please write that down because it's a way to live. When you overcome today, when you fight a battle today and you see victory, it's not just for you, it's for the next generation. When you, when you have a breakthrough over that addiction, it's not just for you, it's for those after you. When you have a breakthrough when it comes to forgiving somebody, it's not just for you, it's for those. When you have a breakthrough when it comes to seeing blessing, when it comes to seeing the Holy Spirit, when it comes to creating a new normal, then the next generation step into it thinking it's normal. And you've got to understand, like we have uh, examples, like when the guitar first came into church, some people thought it was the devil. This is before my time, but some people thought, oh my goodness, it's Metallica in church. I'm not thinking on Metallica, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's something that's not Christian in quotation. Therefore, it's, oh, it's not. I, I grew up watching movies like Hell's Bells. Anyone heard of Hell's Bells? Where it talks about how the recording industry is full of demons, and if you have play a non Christian song, how it's going to wreck our generation. Oh, my goodness, who cares, really? God is bigger. God is not... If you like dire straits, it's okay. Can I hear an amen to that? I don't know. I guarantee you that in a lot of churches, when the drum kit was first introduced, people left churches. 
when, when a guitar, especially an electric guitar, because it doesn't look like a harp as much, it looks a bit different, when that entered the church, people wrote letters to pastors, got upset, had committee meetings, because they were saying, there is some, the world is entering the church. Because it's all about people's mindsets. And people get caught up in right and wrong, but it's actually about life and death. It's about the spirit of God. It's about, it's not about the religiosity of something. We have that challenge right now in church. If we can't sing, what are people going to do? Well, I can worship God in my heart. The the world's not going to oppress me. I can still, on the way, lift my voice. My God is bigger. So what happened was, a generation before us allowed guitars in church and some left, but some stayed. And now my generation goes, how good are guitars? How good is a little bit of that lead, Joey, behind that's going on? Someone paid a price. Someone paid a price for you to be able to clap in church. When I was a kid, I was known in the local school as the Happy Clappy Church. I got bullied at school because I went to the Happy Clappy Church because the other churches that were there didn't clap. So now I'm weird. Doesn't, now these days you don't even hear that in the playground probably. No one cares if you clap in church. They probably all clap now anyway. It was a small battle, but it was something that we just got on with. These are kind of silly examples, but there's big examples. You see it in history. You see it with Martin Luther King. You see it with... Uh, the lady who wouldn't you know, sit in the right seat on the bus because she was black and she said, I'm going to sit wherever I want and she created an uproar. But now people can sit wherever they want. She paid a price for the next generation. And as kingdom people, we have to understand that we have to be generational and the prices that you pay today aren't just for you. They're for your kids They're for your spiritual kids. They're for those in the church, those who you'll never meet. A lot of the battles that you fight for today, the people who get blessing from them, the people that you'll never even meet, but you've paid a price for them. Pastor Joel just said it then, the seat you're sitting on, someone else literally paid the price so you can sit in them. And you won't even know most of the people who did that. You see, we stand in the blessing of the sacrifice of yesterday. And we're good at as Aussies, we're good at celebrating different people in society who have paid the price so we can stand, especially with Anzacs and, and the heroes. We have to be aware also, though, that spiritual battles take place. And the battle that you fight today and, and, and the, the thing that you go for in God today isn't just for you, it's for those who you're not even going to meet. It's for Bear's children. If you knew here, Bear's my son. A lot of you guys aren't going to be able to meet until heaven. Like you're not going to be able to, but we fight. We pay the price. We must understand that the blessing we stand in today was paid for by someone else yesterday. The blessing we have today, we stand in, we take for granted often because we just think it's normal, was paid for by somebody else. This morning on the way into church, I gave my dad a call. And I said, Dad, tell me about the history of the battles. Tell me about the things that your generation, because he was here for 31 years. Tell me about some of the things that you fought for so that I can just relax and just enjoy the surroundings. And I was just so inspired as he just shared stories and shared the heart and shared the sacrifice, which we'll talk about in a moment. It's really cool. You know that we stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. You know it's good to honour those who have gone before us. It's good to honour the previous generations. Especially if they've been good stewards. Especially if they've been good examples. I know he's going to not like this, but Andrew Rankin to me is someone who I honour. Now he thinks he's my age. Close, yes, exactly, close. 
you know, I, I honour him because, you know, he's one of the most consistently encouraging people in my life. He saw Charlie down the street, and, or Anne's down the street the other day and said, hey, here's 50 bucks because I know that you guys get, the sisters, Anne and, and Charlie, get, get breakfast every Friday together. This is for your breakfast. Here you go. Here you go. Take it for your breakfast. And it's little tokens of just sowing in, of just blessing. And so I honour that. I honour the Marys. I honour the Owens. I honour the Stuarts. I honour these people who have been through battles, that have decided to stand, so that my son and his son can be blessed. And there's so many, so many people who are like that. In Revelation chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, Revelation 3 verse 21, it says this, it says, To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat at at my father on his throne. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit on my throne, or sit with me on my throne. Revelation 3.21. There's power in being victorious. If you're facing battles today, awesome. Why? Because you, can get, to, you get to be victorious. You know you can only be victorious if you fight battles. To those who overcome, I have given the right to sit with me on my throne. Fight your battle well. Sow in well. Overcome well. In 1996, can you hear me okay? In 1996, um, I was in year six, and I was a very shy year six kid. And I remember there was a lady called Mrs. Fraser. Frazier. Some of you might know Mrs. Frazier. Um, and Mrs. Frazier, um, she was an opera singer in her spare time. I remember that. She saw something in me that I couldn't see. She saw something in me when it came to leadership, when it came to public speaking. And she would give me opportunity as a little shy year six kid, and I was very shy, to be able to speak in front of people. And some of those examples, some of you have heard them, and maybe at some point I'll share them. I failed dismally. But she didn't give up on me, and she would give me another chance at and it was, it was things like local Steadfords or that type of thing where she would say, but I, I want you to introduce this. And at the time, there was nothing on me. that I wasn't the extrovert. I wasn't the loud kid in the class. If anything, I was the quietest kid in the class. When the prefect stuff came up, nominations, she said, I want you to go for it. She encouraged me to step into leadership positions, even though I had no confidence to do so. She had a generational mindset. She could see something beyond just her current world. We have to understand that leaving a godly inheritance is our responsibility. And I use the word responsibility really, really intentionally. It is your and my responsibility to think generationally. It's not just should I, shouldn't I. No, no, think about the generations to come. Think about the 50 years from now. Last year's miracle offering we did went towards our kids' equipment. Have you seen the kids down there? It is like Disney World every single Sunday. (laughs) They love it. And I challenged the church a year ago. I said, listen, let's build something for the next generation. And thanks to the generosity of our church family, we're able to now build good quality, strong, hopefully be there in years to come, equipment that hopefully my son's generation can enjoy and the one after him. You see, it's our responsibility. We have to be so guarded that we don't just become management or managers in life. Now, management's important and management is good. You should be a good steward of what you have. Be a great manager. But remember that in the, in the, in the history of of Israel, that for 40 years they managed well, but they stayed in the wilderness. 
It wasn't until Joshua and Caleb said, no, we actually have to go somewhere. We have to go and sacrifice. We have to face new giants. We have to, no doubt they, they kept the upkeep of their tents in the wilderness. No doubt they, they did that because they were great managers. You see, here as a church, we've been great managers. We do working bees. We paint the buildings. We put new carpet in. We, we make sure, this, this last week, I spent the week with some of the guys trying to declog the urinal. Talk about spiritual warfare. My goodness. It was a tough week. Who even uses urinals? I don't even know. Some of you guys do, obviously, but I... Anyway, someone has to do those jobs. Josh Porton and I spent a Monday trying to fix it. Couldn't do it. Mark Webster and I spent a Wednesday trying to fix it. By Friday, we called the plumber. He did it in 10 minutes. It was great. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So we have to go from just having a management. Like, as a church, this is actually really prophetic. We've been in seasons of management, and management's godly and important. But we have to start to move into pioneering for those yet to come. And it's actually a shift in mentality. We have to be thinking 50 years ahead. You see, and I'll get, I'll get Dave, if you could put up the, the, the uh, cafe plan. So part of our miracle offering this year, our refresh offering, part of it's going to go to pastors around the nation to refresh them, and part of it's going to go towards... Um, a new place for hospitality. We're going to put in a new gal- gallery, a galley, sorry, a new wall. New, we're going to try and take the cafe and make it somewhere that you want to be a part of, that's warm. If you saw some cafes recently across here at South Narrow, they've redone it. They look great. You want to be there. It's up to us now. What part can we play? Because we're called to be a house of refreshing. So when people come here, we actually, hey, come in. Oh, this cafe is beautiful. I want to stay here. The ambience is nice. The atmosphere, the facility is good. So it's up to us now to say, hey, this year, a big part of our giving is going to go towards refurbishing and renovating the cafe. We're thinking generationally. Let's not just be stuck in management, but let's actually have the courage to pioneer. Pioneering is... A cool concept, but it costs us. Anyone here enjoy bushwalking? Yeah, okay. Now, those who like to bushwalk, or even those who don't like to bushwalk, you know what it's like if you're going down a new path. If there's an existing path and it's been all fixed up by the council and the steps and there's railings and that's easy. Now, when you go down a new path and there's sticks hitting you in the face, not just hitting you in the face, but the one behind you hitting them in the face on purpose normally because you're holding it until it's the right spot and releasing it and it's hitting them in the face. You're getting scratched up by all the scrub and all the different things. You're trying to walk, you know, you're stepping into holes. You might trip over. It's, it's not something that's an easy road. But once you go down that path a few times, once some others go down that path, you start to pioneer a new path. Maybe you find a brand new opening, a brand new landscape that no one's discovered because you dared to go down a path that didn't yet exist. And prophetically, and please hear the spirit of it, we have an opportunity to go, let's go down some new paths. Let's pioneer something so that we can have some new normals. Because the question I have for you is this, what have we pioneered today that is new for the next generation? Or have we just inherited some blessing and said, let's just hold on to it Let's just look after it, but we haven't taken it forward. We have a responsibility to pioneer new, pioneer fresh. I love that, generational thinking. Biblically, if you want notes, let me just read you some scriptures. But in Psalm 78 verse 4, it says this. It says, Psalm 78 4, We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. We're not going to hide back from what God has done, but we're going to declare it for the next generation. The mighty works, the victories, the battles, the things we pioneered, we're doing it so we can declare what the might of God in those yet to come, in those in 50 years' time, what we fight for today sets them up 
but it takes an extremely selfless person to pay a price for those that are never going to need. It's easy to pay a price, even with this, without giving. For the, it's easy when you see the result. It's harder when you never see the result, but you do it for the Lord anyway. That is a big, generous mindset. When you pay the, those who built this building, we're going to talk about it in a second, you don't know most of them, and they never met you, yet they still pioneered so that we can sit and be blessed. In Joshua chapter 4, verse 21, Joshua 4, 21, it says this, And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, What do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry land. There were stones set up to remind the generations to come of the miracles of God, the battles that were faced, the provision that God did in the previous generations. Joshua's generation can say, listen, this is here so that for years to come. Even today in Israel, there's things for years. We looked at this today. It reminds us of what has happened. What are the stones today, Celebration Church? What are we doing today to set up the years to come? In Psalm 145, verse 4, it says, One generation shall commend your works to another and declare your mighty acts. May I declare what God has done in this generation to my son. And may he declare it to his son. (laughs) Because that's who we're called to be. Is this okay this morning? I'm, I'm, I'm quite a prophetic leader in person, so you've always got to hear what God's saying for the future. We must be intentional in leaving a godly inheritance. In 1997, I was in year seven, I was coming out of my childhood into high school, my world was changing, my head was spinning, and Paul and Michelle Green were the youth pastors at the time. And again, year seven, young, didn't know anything. Probably still quite shy. I think I was shy till probably year eight or year nine. Even then, I'm still pretty shy. And I remember Paul asking me to come onto the youth team. And we would sit in that office in there, and he would sit in his chair, and there'd be five or six of us leaders who would sit on the ground. It was like, find a spot in the little office. Like, get to the meeting early so you can get a nice seat. Get the corner. You want the corner, so then you can sit in the corner. You don't want to have to lean against someone. You want to get a wall. Get the... <laughs> Nat would get there late so we could lay on everybody. That's just lounge on everybody, like Peter did, like in the Bible. Like... <laughs> and what Paul would do is every Sunday after church for half an hour would have our youth meetings, and he would talk to us about youth ministry. He would talk to us about being generational. He would talk to us about uh, kingdom aspects, about character. Character was a big one. He would talk to us about having good character, having uh, a godly character. And Paul and Michelle would do that every week. And as a little year sevener who wasn't leading anything really, probably didn't have much to give, they saw a potential in me. And I was on that team for years and it set up part of my foundation of just a godly foundation, but it's because the sacrifices of this beautiful couple. This morning he got to meet my son. I was, I was getting a bit teary. And I just, I just so thankful for them. But he had a generational mindset. And he took a risk on me, even when I didn't have much to show for it. You see, we're called to have a generational mindset. Who are we leaving a godly inheritance for? Well, the next generation, the one after them, both physical and spiritual. You see, it's easy for us, as, especially as parents, if you're a parent here, to think about our physical kids. And leaving an inheritance for your physical kids is a godly thing. But we also have to remember that God's heart is that we have a spiritual inheritance. In James chapter 1, verse 27, if you have your Bibles, this is one of my all-time favorite verses. James 1.27, I think my favourite book of the Bible, apart from Psalms, would be James. It's such an amazing book, and it's short, which is amazing as well. I like short books. James 1.27 says this. It says, Religion 
Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. You ready? This is it. This, is, this is, sums it all up. New Testament sums it up. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless. To look after the orphans and widows. To keep yourself from being polluted by the world. I always read that and I think about like uh, physical orphans and widows, and I, but I also think about the spiritual orphans and widows. I was blessed to grow up in a Christian home. I had things passed on to me from my parents. Uh, spiritual, they taught me spiritual things. But what about the generation that has no spiritual parents? What about those who have no one fighting for them? I, I will always honour youth leaders and kids leaders and kids volunteers. You guys, my goodness, they come out on a Friday, put up with so much riffraff in the hope and in the faith that some seeds of God's love will be planted. <laughs> because they understand that the kids who are causing the most riffraff are usually the ones that come from families that don't have a spiritual inheritance. But God our Father accepts this, to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And so we have this amazing example of godly generational inheritance to look after orphans. I just pray as a church, and I pray that we get so convicted about this, that when we see people who come in, and by the way, they don't just need to be youth, they can be any age, come in and they don't have a spiritual legacy, that we will fight for them that you would invite your friends to church that they might encounter a family, a family that is good at forgiving, good at loving, good at accepting, a family that pays the price so that they might have love. And there's plenty of people in this church. And if you ask them, they have found family here. But there's so many thousands more in our city who long for community, who long for, to, to, to be a part of a family. Who is going to be the one, though, that's going to think generationally? It might take you inviting your neighbour to church in the midst of COVID. Thinking, we assume, well, they don't want to come because what if they need hope? What if they're at home lonely because they feel so isolated? Hey, get them a mask, whatever. Get them here. Like, we'll get the seat. RSVP early. Bring somebody. Why? Because we want to be a church that isn't just thinking about me, me, me but understands that there are spiritual orphans and widows. There are people who are hurting. Let's be a generational church, amen? What does a godly inheritance look like? Here are a few things. Passing on the heart of God to others. This is what inheritance looks like. You know, physical inheritance. Um, you know, when my grandma died, um, one thing she did was she left us all, I think it was $1,000, the grandkids. Hey, that felt like a lot of money at the time. It wasn't that long ago, so I don't know. But I was like, amazing, we'll take it. And we often think about financial things with inheritance. But it's also these amazing attributes like passing on the heart of God. Listen, when you spend time with the heart of God, you are getting a deep, deep well of things that you can pass on to others. Why is discipleship so important? It's not even important. It's, I mean, it's not just important. It's a command. Go and make disciples, church. Listen, how are you going with that? We have to make sure that we're disciple-making because we pass on to the next generation of godly inheritance. We pass on the heart of God. The second thing, we pass on a godly mindset. I was saying to, to someone the other day, actually I've said it a few times recently because I've been thinking about it. You know that you're a reflection of your discipleship. And it's really interesting for me to watch this because I've studied church history a fair bit, especially modern church history. And you see different kind of currents and different um, trends of discipleship. And so you see back in, in, say, the 70s, 80s, you see the Billy Graham movement, an amazing movement of just big crusades. You see, come down, my, both my parents had uh, made decisions for Christ. And a lot of you guys in the room probably made a decision for Christ when it came to 
uh, Billy Graham crusades. Anyone, anyone actually had that? Yeah, they see hands in this place. He had this amazing anointing and amazing grace on him to be able to clearly share the gospel. And then at the end, if you want to come and receive Jesus, and people had these conversions in the midst of stadiums. But the challenge was is that often for my parents in their generation, things like having discipleship in a connect group wasn't around them. So the discipleship became go to church on Sunday. And the discipleship was sit in the seat on Sunday, hear the preacher preach, and go home. And that was their discipleship. Nothing wrong with that. That's actually powerful. But what happens is you get to the 90s and the Bill Hybels movement comes in or the Connect Group movement comes in, the G12 movement it was called, where it was, hey, let's start lots of home groups. Get a home group, grow your home group, disciple someone in a home group, then send them out to run a home group. And there's a whole generation of, you know, Rick Warren and the Purpose Driven Church and, and all this movement of discipleship around home groups, basically. And then you see a generation who are passionate about home groups. And you get to my generation coming through and we talk about Connect Groups, Similar concept, but more maybe just more casual, more out around coffee shops. Get with a bunch of people, disciple them, get someone and make sure that you send them out to disciple. And you have these different, there's just three, it goes back here, there's more than that, different discipleship expressions. And that's why it's so hard often when someone says, get into a connect group, but their discipleship in their foundation years was never that. So it's hard for them to step in sometimes. And so we have to work hard at, at saying, hey, let's just make sure our mindsets are always expanding. A great example is I had some friends, I have friends, and the husband um, um, went to Hillsong type cult. He was at college and he was in that, and he, which is very um, home group, uh, connect group and discipleship. And, and she was, grew up in a, in a small town where um, her family, uh, the mentality of the church she was in was, my act of worship is to turn up to church. And even years later, with her husband passionate about Connect Group, she still feels like my act of worship is to turn up to church. And there's such a difference in his act of worship is to disciple, to serve, to be involved. Hers is, if my bottom's on the seat, I'm doing my act of worship. And it all goes back to how they were discipled when they were first born again. Why is it that when new Christians get saved, we have to be intentional about their foundation? Because even as Bear is young, my son, the first seven years will teach him what normal is. So we have to think generationally. But don't get stuck in just one way of doing it. Open your mindset. Grow in your mind all the time. But we pass on, hopefully, a godly mindset. We pass on the importance of character. We pass on the importance of having godly character. We pass on the importance of the local church. Parents, never expect your kids to be passionate about the local church if you're not. Never. It doesn't make sense. It's not fair on them. You will set the bar, and I will set the bar for my kids. I pray they exceed that bar by the grace of God. But I at least have to set a minimum. So how you speak about the local church, your conviction of the local church, your conviction on how to be involved is so important as it passes on a godly inheritance when it comes to the importance of local church. Another one, the importance of financial blessing, passing on financial blessing. At some point I'll speak to us as a church about being great financial stewards. It's actually more supernatural than you realise parable of the miners, read it, read about finance, read about those things. Passing on a generational mindset in itself is a powerful thing. Are we a generational church or are we thinking about our now? Are we thinking about the future in Jesus' name? In 2017, is this okay? All right, good. In 2017, I was executive pastor here could be 2016 even. And there's a guy called Ron. And Ron was the regional leader of the South Coast for the ACC, doing it for many years. And Ron saw something in me even before I was a senior pastor here when it came to overseeing the churches of the region. So if you don't know, Charlie and I have a responsibility of 
helping churches in our movement, the ACC, from Helensburg down to Eden. And we spent a lot of our time connecting with those pastors, encouraging them and blessing them, helping them. It's part of who our church is. But Ron would actually ask me to be a part of his exec meetings, which is a team that actually helps oversee the region. And I was in these meetings and I wasn't even a senior pastor. He saw something in me before I was even there. And so when he passed the baton on last year, he asked me to take on the role. I said, Ron, I've only been in the job here for less than 12 months. He said, it doesn't matter. You're the man for the job. I went to the regional leaders gathering at the start of the year. Charlie and I went up to it. And there was a room full of these regional leaders across our state. You know, I was the youngest in that room by at least five years. The majority of them were in their 50s, 60s. And I sat there feeling like a little whippersnapper again in a room full of people who were double my age, some of them. And they were asking my advice for the state across that room. Very humbling. But it's because Ron saw something in me. He had a generational mindset. We're going to come to a finish soon, but I just pray the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. We have to understand, though, this church, there is a cost in leaving a godly inheritance. And in Luke chapter 14, 28, this is such an interesting verse. Luke 14, 28, it says, For which of you desires to build a tower but does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Charlie and I right now, for three years, we've been talking about building a deck on our house. This year, we're like, let's do it. We're finally going to do it. We finally found a builder. We finally found, we've got the cash maybe to do it. And I just like, let's, let's step out. It's actually a step of faith. We stepped out financially and said, let's do it. It's funny, that's, we, we had peace about it, stepped out, and then the bank contacted us a week later and said, we're going to refinance your mortgage. And it saved us the amount that we can pay off a week for the deck was the amount we're saving. How good is this little tower? That's one of Bear's spew towers, if you didn't know. <laughs> Just to dab my little, little face on there. It's clean, it's clean. And I just, I'm seeing this deck being built, and it's, it's, it's just over halfway done now. It's getting built at the moment. It's a 47 square meter deck, which is actually quite big. It's, we, we, we didn't realize it was that big. And we got home one day and went, wow, this is a very big deck. This is a party deck now. This is, and, and, I, and I called my parents. I said, I think it might be a little bit too big. And my dad said, you can never get a deck too big. He's like, you just, you get that as, that's, you're never going to regret that. But we had to work out the cost, the cost of building this deck. And if we didn't have the money to build them, and I just shared a testimony of stepping out in faith, but ultimately we could have still furnished that. But basically if we had zero money and the builder would be pretty upset with us at the end, true? And when it comes to inheritance, there will always be a cost. Always. It will always cost you something. Today's miracle offering will cost you. Charlie and I, it costs us. It hurts today. But we believe God's given us something to give. Like we, it's in my heart to give it. When it comes to uh, looking after the church, when it comes to you know, building something. In 1989, in 1989, a crew, a small group of people in, in Bomadari felt called to buy this block of land. And my parents took on the church in, 1980, and in 1989. This was already bought and the, and the bank owned it. And the interest rates in the 80s, if you remember, were very, very, very high. Very high. And they stepped out in faith, purchased this land. It used to be a drive-in. don't know if you know that. There was a huge screen down the back. That's why there's like little mounds in the car park. We used to chuck rocks at the screen as kids. And I could never hit it. My arm was too weak. Matt could hit it. I could never hit it. Big screen down the back. We should have kept it, hey. Imagine that. Imagine like Matt up on the screen like worship. <laughs> like just this huge like. 
That's not your heaven, that. Yeah, it's Karen's heaven anyway. And what happened was, in 1989, they, they felt, they, they, they launched by faith. They thought, for the, actually, what happened was, a prophet came through and prophesied over the church and said, there is a block of land that God wants you to buy. And some people in the room were around them who were still here. And by faith, they bought this block. My parents came in, took on the church. The vision was already there, but they laid a hold of it, which talks about stewardship. We lay a hold. Some of you guys have come into our church and there's already a vision. They lay a, laid a hold of it and said, we're going to run with it. God sends a lady to speak to my, my dad. He gives him a prophetic word. And it's a word you don't want to hear, but it's a word that was accurate. Once they launched this building fund, a lot of people started leaving the church because there's always a cost. Some people don't want to pay a cost. Some people in this place, you start a building tomorrow, you'll probably leave because you don't want to pay the cost. But some people did pay the cost. And she came to him and said, and, and half the church left, literally, in the middle of launching this building fund. And she said to him, this is what the Lord says, the church will not go below 59 people. 59 is the bottom number. Now the church shrunk to exactly 59 people, including kids hit that number, never went under it, and then started growing from that. But before it grew, this little crew, and I think we have some photos. Do you have some photos, Dave? This is the crew of men in the church, men who were just volunteering, coming out, doing their bit, building this place that you're currently in right now. There's Pastor James right there with a hat at the front, giving a smile. These pillars, if you look at over here, were laid by men that you will never know. The place was painted and decorated, and maybe some were laid by some of the women that you will never know. A couple are still in the church, I won't embarrass them. But mainly, people that never knew you and that you never know. In 1989, 1999, 2000, over 30 years ago, a price was paid so that we could sit today in a church that a small group, by the way, that 59 included kids, so I wonder how, how many were kids, I have no idea, me and my two siblings were there, so that all that family was there, there's a lot of kids by itself. And what I'm trying to say is this, I know today's a little bit longer than normal, but what I'm trying to say is this. They paid a price so that we could be blessed. One day, Pastor James was preaching and he said, I believe this place will be paid off within five years. Building and land. You know, within three years, the whole place was paid off. But you know who paid it off? The sacrifice of the short, short people. The short shorts. I'm talking about their pants. <laughs> Not their height, their pants. You saw their pants. <laughs> I should have explained that. And Pastor James would tell you the miracles that came in, the people that gave above and beyond, the people that sacrificed. I mean, it's just amazing testimonies that people were leaving, but then people were giving. People were upset, but other people were rallying. And I am so thankful and I honour those who have paid a price so that we could sit in this place. The question, though, is this. That was 30 years ago. What is our generation going to do? What is Bear's generation going to talk about when it comes to you and me? And his kids, and he won't, they won't even know most of you because you won't be here. What's going to happen? What's going to happen when it comes to our inheritance? Are we a church of generational blessing? Are we a church who pays a price for those 50 years, for a righteous man, leaves an inheritance for his children's children? And today I just declare and I pray with all my heart that we would be a church of generational 
cost and generational blessing. Hey, we're not even at the place of building a brand new building yet. We're just talking about renovating what we currently have. It's a start. But let's not be afraid to rise up together. And again, I don't want to twist your arm with giving. I, it doesn't, I could care less about that. This is between you and God. But I do want to encourage you, don't be the, don't be the ones that left back in 1989 because, oh, the cost is too much. I'm thankful that I get to be blessed for my whole life. I've been in this church my whole life, well, since the age of four. Mrs. Rooney, Paul Michelle, other people in this house who took time to sacrifice that I might now be a, a husband and a dad who's trying to raise my own son in the ways of God because somebody else paid a price when they didn't even know Bear even existed. And so this is my heart today. May we be a generational church. May you be a generational person. Here's two questions as we finish. Number one, what is the godly inheritance that you will pass on to this next generation? And listen, if you, you, you can be in your 80s hearing this right now. It's not too late to pass on a godly inheritance. A lot of the time I, I get asked the question, you know, well, it seems like the young people don't want to receive from me. Here's the key. Philippians 4, verse 9. Philippians 4, 9. It says this. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. The greatest way to pass on a godly inheritance is through example. The greatest way to pass on is through your example. Don't be someone who talks big game but doesn't live it. The writer says here, he says, what you have heard and seen in me. If you want to know how to be generational, here's the key. How do you speak and how do you live? If you want the next generation to be passionate about the local church, how are you going with how you are in the local church? If you want them to be guys who serve, how are you going with serving? If you want them to be passionate about giving, how are you going with giving? If you want them to be passionate with worship, how are you going in worship? Because we are examples for the future. We have to be generational. So what is the godly inheritance that you and I will pass on to the next generation? And the second question is this as we finish. What part can you play in passing on a godly inheritance? We can all play a part. What legacy can we leave as people? Last example. I have a group of 15 young guys who I mentor in our church right now. They're all young, young men. They're all young adults. Some are married. Some are single still, wanting to be married, trying to help them with that, doing my best. <laughs> but once every six weeks, I sit down with those 15 young guys and I try and then pass on my best. In the six weeks, I see them all one-on-one -on -one and I try and pass on my best because I understand that one day they're going to be dads, bosses, employees. They could be politicians. They could be lawmakers. They could be whatever it is God has for them. And I don't know. Every day I have, I want to give generationally. I was a youth pastor for 11 years here in church. It was the best thing. I loved it because it was generational. And I remember the little Haley Shoals on my youth team who would sit in our youth meeting, just as I was in Paul's youth meeting, she was in mine, looking terrified. <laughs> the Anges, Ange Watsons, the Joel Mitchells. Joel's clapping himself right now. I remember when Joel used to be in youth at the back. I remember when he used to come to the discos back in the day and date all the girls. <laughs> years of input, years of time, years of lessons, years of war. I've been around for a bit. And it's a privilege. And it's an honour.
And I love the fact that I can be part of a generational church. And I love the fact that we're not so selfish that it's all about me. You know the churches that won't make it are the ones that don't look after the youth or the next generation. Paul, uh, sorry, Ben Green, Paul's son. He's not in the room, but when you see him, give him a high five. Not because he's having a baby, but that's good too. Because in youth right now, he is just doing so well. You know, every week they see salvations. Every week they, he's taken five carloads of youth off the property today so that we can be in the room. I, I just was so blessed. Can I encourage those over 50 here? You have so much to give. Don't hold back from the young'uns. Pass on your wisdom. The best way to do it is by the way you speak and how you live. They watch you. They're watching the pre-service prayer meeting, how many older people are here. They do. They watch. They're a bit creepy that way. They watch. Let's make sure we're living examples. Charlie, why don't you come up here and bring, bring the boy... Bring the sun. Yeah, come up. Can you guys come up too? Come up, Kathy and Alan. Hi, mate. (laughs) Did he sleep? This is an example of the blessing of God. Where Kathy's mum loved the Lord. Nana Black, was, that's what we call her? Yeah. Mrs. Nana. Mrs. Black, Nana, Nana Black, Nana, that's her last name, Black, Nana Black, passed on her heart for God to Kath and Alan, uh, married Kath, and, and now they've raised an amazing daughter or daughters, and now there's a third generation. This is how kingdom works. And it works physically, but it works spiritually. It works like, I, I raised up Joel, disciple Joel, as a part of it anyway. Now he raises up youth leaders who now raise up youth leaders. And we have this amazing synergy and blessing that hopefully this little guy's son or daughter one day will carry on for generations to come. That we honour you guys. We honour the parents. And we honour not, not Nana, Nanny, Nana Black. Sorry. Nana Nanny, Nanny Black. We honour that. We honour. Can we also look ahead and say in 50 years? In 50 years, these guys unfortunately won't be here. 50 years, we might be here. Who knows? But definitely, definitely, definitely you'll be here and you'll have a little boy. I think he just needs a nappy change, but that's okay. You guys can, let's, let's give them a hand. You guys can sit down. So just as we finished, let's just look into our hearts. And today, it's part of our worship as a church. And by the way, if you don't feel pressure to give. For the Bible says, only give what God's placed on your heart. But don't be stingy either, I guess. You don't want to miss out on the blessing. But when it comes to this moment, you know one of the most supernatural weeks for Charlie and I is this week? We sense more oppression this week, spiritually, than any other week because the devil hates it when the church goes forward. So let's just take a moment as part of our worship. This is a worship moment. And I'm just going just gonna to pray for us. And uh, you guys can, he's just going to play, play some words. Let's just take a moment of worship in our hearts. And in that moment, if you, why don't you fill out that, that card and someone will come along and collect it. Um, and let's, let's be generational as a church today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. We'll just take a moment, host. Just, just wait a moment. Just give people a chance just to sit. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just thank you so much that we can be a part of a miracle offering of just giving above and beyond. And Holy Spirit, right now, we just pray that you are honoured. We pray that you are so blessed. We pray that, Lord, we, we look ahead 50 years. The children's children. We say, Lord, we want to be generational. We want to be a generational people. Lord, we will pay a price for those to come after us. Lord, as part of our worship, part of our journey, we thank you, we love you. And I just thank you for the joy. I know for Charlie and I, it's a joy just to be able to sow in to the future of what you have. 
Lord, we pray for the next generation. We also pray for Bear's children. We pray your blessing upon them as well. In Jesus' powerful name. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, let's, let's get the host to pass those on. If you need more time, if you're filling out those cards, just tell them. Once the bucket's passed, you can stand up and we'll just finish with some worship. Just for those who are giving online as well, make sure you type, you put in the, the description miracle offering or refreshing offering. That way we know it's going towards that. We want to make sure it's going towards the right thing today. Hey, some exciting news. In a couple of weeks or a few weeks, we're looking at doing an, um, an outdoor service so that we can do some singing. So... What we're going to need, we'll keep you posted, but I'm just missing singing together and actually lifting our voices together. So we're going to look at doing it outside, weather permitting. We're going to ask that Sunday that everyone has a mask on outside as well. We'll have masks here too we can hand out. Um, And that way it's out in the open air. Um, And we might even do some worship and come in for the actual uh, preaching. That way it's not burning in the sun. Um, But So that's in the coming weeks. So stay posted for that. But um, who feels blessed this morning? I feel blessed. That was just such a, I feel it from my heart. That was such a prophetic message. I always want to pray over you. And if you're here with your spouse, I encourage you to take them by the hand. And if you're here just by yourself, just take God's hand in your heart. And let me just pray God's blessing over you today. Father, we just honour you and we thank you so much for who you are. We just thank you that you are a good father. Lord, we thank you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you for your kindness. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, today we've just been so encouraged, Lord, that we can be a generational people. Father, we bless your holy name. And I send out every one of our church family this week with the blessing of God. I pray protection in this season. I pray for open doors. And Lord, I just pray for amazing God encounters this week. Lord, just an overwhelming sense of your presence and your love and your goodness and your kindness. Father, we honour you and we thank you so much in Jesus' powerful name. Everyone said? We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.